man up. Um, we are developing in the stages. We're in the developmental stages of steak with the spirit. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just praying that somebody takes it on. That's that's the developmental stages that somebody would get the burden for it <laughs> and have the money to finance it. Well, did uh, Mary say something about providing some steaks? I love Maybe. it. She said as long that. as she gets to come. Um, <laughs> My Joey says my spirit animal is a pig. I don't know if I have a spirit animal. I eat like an animal, but um, <laughs> not the whole pig, just the bacon. Um, well, I love bacon. Uh, let's see. Brother brother Greg Carwile says we are definitely cut from the same cloth. The only vegetable I eat is mashed potatoes, fried potatoes, and French fries. I love this guy. Who I absolutely love Greg Carwile. Oh I love this. Gosh. I knew we were kindred I, spirits. I had hope for Greg. No. I had hope for him. Absolutely no beans, not even jelly bean. I know it. No. Not even jelly bean. Yeah. I'm, I'm with him. <laughs> jelly, like beans jelly beans are disgusting. Either. Either. I, jelly beans aren't a bean, though. They're now, just plain sugar. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's in the shape of a bean. <laughs> That's enough. It has the word name being, and there's in the shape of no a bean. No wonder That's they all. asked you for a toy and applesauce. Uh, <laughs> Y'all are like kids that can't even look at the now, way it looks. You can't eat I want to add one. I love all of Greg's vegetables on there. Um, I would like to add tater tots. And uh, most important vegetable that I'd eat is mac and cheese. And so it is a vegetable, Jamie. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> it is a side and pretty much your sides are vegetables. So it's um, mac and cheese is my favorite vegetable. It is um, it is delicious to my palate, and I love mac and cheese. I, I love cheese. I love real homemade mac and cheese with real bacon bits spread into the middle of it. Well, and so um, we have a listener that said I get I got out of bed thinking about Jesus, then Box Two Radio, and now steak in that order since I've listened to Box Two this morning. See, this Thank is you, what Aaron. this is what happens when you wake up with us. Um, you know, thanks to Aaron. This is this is this is a gift that the Lord has given me um, to share food with the world. Uh, I can't cook it. I don't know how to prepare it. But I sure know how to eat it and celebrate it. He can make potatoes, and monster potatoes. Joy is contagious. So mm-hmm. if my joy oh, for food true. is contagious, I want other people to love food as much as I love food. Now, I don't want you to be gluttonous. So you have to have be responsible. You have to love uh, Jesus more than food. You you mm, need that's to be. The one rule. You need to have some. You need to have responsibility to your eating. <laughs> um, and you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and so when you do get a steak that you share it with Aaron. I don't want you to be gluttonous. I don't want you to be um, overeating. I'm looking out for your health as much as I'm looking out for my health. And so I want to share in the burden. That's what I want to do. I want to share in your burden. And um, the scripture commands us to carry each other's burden. That's true. And so that's what I want to do. And I want to help you finish your steak. Um, (laughs) But I need you to cut it off before you eat it. Because I don't do the second dips and the... um, I, like some people can just drink after each other and do it. I can't do it. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm not, I love you, but I'm probably not going to drink after you. And um, definitely if I have to drink <laughs> after, after you. After having that many kids, it kind of ruins that for you. Yeah. Um, and when you see kids slobber as much over stuff and yeah. um, man, when you see floaties and drinks, it's just disgusting. <laughs> All right. Um, we we'll got to close this food talk with, there are some people I know that are determined to find a vegetable that Aaron will like. <laughs> so if you want to join that club, we are meeting on Friday. <laughs> is this Aaron's and support praying, club? Yeah, this is an Aaron's support club. Bad eating habits. <laughs> All right. Um, Food conversion. Yeah. <laughs> therapy. 
right. All right. We're going to go from the physical food that nurses our body to the spiritual food that um, nurses our spiritual soul. Um, <clears throat> I say this all the time. Uh, there's really two scriptures that I live after um, that most people's life verses are some to the effect of, you know, be courageous, fear not, for I am with you, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Mine is First Kings chapter, I think it's in chapter 19 or 18, and it said Elijah took a nap, and he woke up, and he ate, and then he went back to sleep. Um, <laughs> thought it was an incredible portion of text. I see the spiritual implication of it. Um, I see how Elijah was a blessed man. Like it was, um, that was incredible for him. And then also, um, the Bible says prof, um, bodily exercise profiteth little. And so, um, those are my two life verses, naps, eating, and no exercise. And I just trying to be scripture. I thought you were being serious for a second. I, I am. realized what you're saying. I am being very serious. He, he actually is being serious. Yeah, I don't like to exercise. They keep hooking me in on Sunday nights to play ball. And I don't know if it's healthy when your right right leg goes to sleep while running down the court. But mine keeps doing that. And um, I don't know if it's a lack of green food. But Probably. You need some to test. I lose feeling in my toes. And I don't know how to run. And... Ethan has to carry me down the court, and it's no, embarrassing. Actually, you should be good on your potassium because potatoes have more potassium than bananas. Well, then I am over. I am over. Uh, what is it? Overflowed with potassium. Then <laughs> uh, one listener said, uh, "You need to try parsnips. They are delicious." Well, mm. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what parsnips mean. It <laughs> seems like a pair of scissors that you are up to par. Uh, <laughs> parsnips. Um, and so, well, oh, I got to be spiritual. We was going to go to the John chapter eight. Um, John, what is parsnips? I don't know what parsnips are. What do they look like? I don't even know. I thought they were like an onion or something, but well, maybe not. And I, I think do, they're green. I do love the onions that are cut really thin and fried, deep fried, with a lot of breading, like to the point where you don't even see the onion, or <laughs> even if it's obsolete, that's okay, just as long as you got the breading fried. <laughs> Because um, when me and my wife order a blooming onion, she takes the onion, I take the blooming, and it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I asked, uh, let's see, they said kind of like carrots and cooked with bacon grease. Um, oh, well. well, you had me at bacon grease. <laughs> can you hold the onion? Can you hold the carrots? Uh, is it a parsnip if you eat the bacon grease without the carrot? <laughs> oh. Well, I don't know about the bacon grease, but the bacon. So I'll tell you what, you hold the bacon grease, I'll take the bacon, you dip your carrots into the bacon grease, and I'll eat the bacon. That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make, because you have to cook <laughs> bacon to get the bacon grease. So again, I'm trying to be very sacrificial and helping everybody out. <laughs> and um, all right, uh, let's see, John chapter 8, I have no idea how we got much on food on this Wednesday morning. This is what happens when Jacob bails on us. Verse 52, then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. So now this is where it starts to get pretty serious um, for Jesus because now the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the leaders, the Jewish people that's listening to him, they're saying, hey, now we know this. You have a devil. So they just told Jesus, the son of God, that you have a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste death. Are thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? So they're really not understanding his whole concept of never taste death. 
And I feel like this, that probably what their stronghold is, besides being blinded, is that they only think about this life. Because you remember Jesus rebuked them several times saying, look, you want everybody to see your giving. You want everybody to see, hear you pray. You want everybody to see you do all your religious activity. He said, verily, verily, I say you will have your reward here on the earth. Mm -hmm. Because the things the Jews and especially the religious leaders of the Jewish empire or the Jewish people at this time, what they thought and what they conceptualized was here, now. I want everything to happen at this point. And one thing that Jesus shows and says through people like Paul and Peter is that really we're to live for what's coming, not just for what's now. Mm, yeah. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Jewish people could not understand that. So when they said, when they heard Jesus say, thou shall never taste death, well, they're thinking natural death. They're not even pondering spiritual death. They're not ta- pondering eternal things. They're not pondering things that are beyond this life because to them, this life is the riches. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I think that even as even as we pray for the heaven on earth now, even as we pray for the kingdom of God come on earth, we can never get to the point where our riches are here mm, yeah. because our riches will be there. And that's what Paul said. Paul said the temporal sufferings, the temporal, temporal things that we face here on this earth pale in comparison to the eternal glory that is awaiting on us forever after this age. And, and I think that the Jewish people could not understand this, and this is one of their biggest faults, is that everything they were processing, everything they were conceptualized, everything they were pondering was for the now, never for the eternal. And I think that this is one of their hangups, and I think this is why they're saying Abraham is dead, um, the prophets are dead, they're all saying this, and you, are you greater than them? And then Jesus answered them finally. Y'all have anything you want to just butt in? Jamie, you just got to butt in around here. Um, <laughs> you just got to say the excellent one has something to say. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, people people really don't believe your last name's excellent, do they? A lot of times. Sometimes, yeah. I've had to pull out my ID and be yeah. like, you know, this is where my last name <laughs> I can I'm see not it. lying. I would, I would probably... If my last name was excellent, I probably would say it's like Aaron Excellent or <laughs> um, add a little French fry in there. Um, <laughs> all right. So I got to get back. Uh, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. So Jesus is basically saying this. I'm not here to put honor in myself. Now, if the son of God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords is ri- is willing to surrender. Well, I don't. Again, this is a hard concept to do, and I don't want to just treat it lightly. He never surrendered his deity. He surrendered the use of his deity on the earth. He never ceased to be deity. He was always divine. He was always God. He was fully man, fully God in the flesh. He did not operate in his divinity, though. He surrendered it in that sense. He never ceased to be divine, but he did surrender his divinity. And he walked as a man filled with the Spirit of God on the earth. And... And I think that's always got to be remembered because if he walked the God, if he walked the earth as God, then he could not empathize with our struggles, with our needs. Yeah. He did not know what it was like to be depressed. He did, he didn't know what it was. Well, and he sad, also couldn't emotional. He couldn't. Well, okay, I'm asking this as a question. Mm-hmm. He he couldn't um, like fellowship with such like sin and darkness, right? If he was fully because well. I don't think, now, I think these are where distinctive words matter. 
I don't think what he did with sinners was walk in fellowship. I think we're very light on the word fellowship. Well, okay, let me let me take a step back. I'm saying if he was fully God, yeah. like if he well, was God, because you know God can't exist with sin. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Sure. Mm-hmm. I I know what you're. I mean, I don't. I know what you're saying. I think that this this whole conversation needs to be more unpacked on it because I think we flippantly use the word, and I'm not saying you did. I would say for as a church, we use the word fellowship very lightly. But whenever Acts chapter two, I think it's in forty two, it starts talking about they get to union of the apostles' doctrine, and then they continue breaking bread, fellowshipping with one, one another. Fellowship, in essence, is not just hanging out. Fellowship is doing life together, yeah. and so it's walking in relationship. It's walking in communion. I think Jesus ate with sinners. I think Jesus um, visited with sinners. I think that Jesus witnessed the sinners, but I don't think Jesus was in fellowship with sinners. I think he walked with his disciples, and I think he walked with those who were following him because he always put a separation between him and those that were. Yes. Uh, and, of course, a sinner never came into his presence, as far as we can understand, outside of religious leaders or the Jewish people that's kind of already in this religious place of, I'm okay, you're not. Any any what we would classify as a unbeliever or a sinner, they never come to his presence and left the same way. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is if, if, he, what, if he walked in his full divinity, then do you think that that would have been able to be accomplished is what I'm saying. I don't think, I think that's the reason why is because he even got close to them. Like whenever he healed them, he was getting close to them. Whereas like God, I think he could have, uh, no, I, mean, I think he could have because but, he's God. But, but I, I know what think. you're saying too. Like, um, because look at the temple, like you had to do all of these things before you could get yeah. into the Holy of Holies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think no one has seen God and lived because sin yeah. can't stand in the presence of the Lord. Um, yeah, that's kind of along the lines of what I'm saying. Like, it yeah. kind of makes sense that that's why he he surrendered or well, submitted. I don't think we beheld him in his full glory. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the closest we had on the earth would have been um, John, Peter, and James when they was at the Mount Transfiguration. Because when Moses and Elijah disappeared and Jesus stood there by himself, you know, he was radiating with the glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is who he really is. And, and so I would say that people would have a hard time with that, just like they had a hard time with Moses when he'd come down from the mountaintop radiating with the glory of God because they didn't want to look on they He frightened them. Mm-hmm. I don't, I have to think about this. Um, I'm pondering this. Yeah. Cause I think there's a bunch of different factors, but I think, the one that has always stood out to me is sin. Like, Jesus came down and, like, he was fully man, fully God, but the fully, he was able to empathize with sin, but also, like, be in the midst of it and even take it on and feel it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, like, God wouldn't, God feels it, but it's, I think there's a reason why he came. I mean, I don't think I know there's a reason why he came as a fully man and fully God. Yeah. In that respect with he, sin. He became sin. Yeah. He never <clears throat> sinned, but he became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. So I'd have to, I have to, I'm, I'm working through this in my head, how I would rationalize all this with the scripture. Um, let me think on that. I'm cause I'm, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say he ever ceased to have his full divinity. 
I think he was always fully divine, but he not he didn't operate in it. Mm-hmm. And he was Emmanuel, God in the flesh, which he would have been different than in the Trinitarian idea, I guess you would say, the three persons in one. He is different than the Father, um, in a sense, because we saw throughout the Old Testament where there was Christophanies and people did engage with him prior to, I don't know. There's a lot for me to think about here, and I'm out of time because uh, I have to figure out how I would think on this. Because um, he, I don't think he can. He don't fellowship with sin, but he also doesn't. I think if God's, if if he stood next to sin or he ate dinner with sin, it doesn't make him a sinner because he's not condoning, mm-hmm. and he never gave into the sin that he was he. The sin never touched him. He always changed the sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd have to. I'm beat. Uh, I'm trying to think here. <laughs> Sorry, this is bad radio, but I got to process my brain here. Well, we'll come back after the break. Do we have a trivia question? We do. Okay. We do. I'm trying to. F- <clears throat> I have to read it because my brain's <laughs> a thousand different directions right now. Uh, what? My bad. What cousin of Saul was commander of the king's troops? Again, Wednesday, question number one. What cousin of Saul was commander of the king's troops? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Okay. All right, we are back here on this Monday morning, and I'm thinking way too hard on a Wednesday. <laughs> um, we need to do this show like at 10 a.m. My brain's a lot more awake at that point, and I usually have breakfast by that point too. All right, and so, but um, that was it was a good conversation. Like I think it's, I think I'm starting to kind of grasp what I what's being said. I don't, I think that, like I was saying on the break. Only thing I don't want to say is, um, haven't I had that trivia already? Miss Gail asked me if I had. Um, I don't know, Miss Gail. Um, unless I read the wrong question before. I could have done that. Uh, listeners, help me out here. If I read that question before, they have to text me. Miss Gail says I have. Um, do y'all remember if I read that question yesterday? What was the oh, Miss Megan said I did. So I guess I read the wrong question yesterday, and I bet I read Wednesday's question for Tuesday question. You flopped him. Maybe <laughs> that's a real likelihood. Um, and so I was doing a lot of. I was doing a. I was doing the producing yesterday as well, and so sometimes you you're pushing all the buttons, doing everything, and hosting, and it gets a little confusing. So let me see here. Um, yeah, let's see. So I have the wrong week. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm on the whole the wrong week completely. Uh, <sighs> all right. Let's try this again here. I apologize. Restart. I was on last week's question. And Miss Gail, you are good. Miss Megan, mm-hmm. you are good too. Y'all are on the ball. <laughs> Hannah's got me thinking about these questions that I'm trying to... <laughs> And I got the wrong, got the wrong week. For later. Yeah, that Sorry, should have been a Bible question here. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. I'm just trying to figure out how to work all this out. Uh, let's see. Tuesday question. I don't think we got Tuesday question number two. So we'll do that one this morning. And you're still able to call in. 
All right, let's get this right. Wednesday question number one will be this. Sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Why did the people complain when Jesus healed the woman who had stopped, who had been stopped over, stooped, stooped over for 18 years? I was like, stop, that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Why did the people complain when Jesus healed the woman, the woman who had been stooped over for 18 years? 270-257-2689. And um, we'll get that answer in there. For, we'll have a drawing this Friday. Sorry for the confusion on that. Um uh, I messed up. I read last week's question, and I'm so glad, Miss Gail, you are you are on it. You keep <laughs> me in check, please. It's a full time job to keep me in check, so um, <laughs> and um, so I appreciate anybody that's willing to make the attempt to keep me in check because I'll pray for you. As my my wife says, it's been an impossible task <laughs> for years. All right, and so we were talking about Jesus surrendering his divinity. And I don't want to say he surrendered in the sense of he ceased to be God, but he he wasn't walk he wasn't on his throne like he mm-hmm. wasn't he was not operating as God he on the much earth. Yielded, yeah. To the Father gave the glory well, I mean, to him. It was not his own desire and his own honor he was trying to pursue anymore. It was mm-hmm. the Father's, mm-hmm. and he humbled himself. Um, and Hannah brought up the question of was that to do with sin, and he couldn't be around sin. Well. I think being around sin is not God's problem because he can be around sin and not become sinful because he don't he don't get conformed by the sin. He always conforms to sin. Mm-hmm. So if sin gets in his presence, sin must bow. Yeah. Um, we find that over and over. Like you um, like whenever they try to put the glory of the ark, I mean, the ark of the covenant and the glory of God represented in the same temple with Dagon. Dagon always ended up on his face. Um, and so. I don't want like I never want to say that he couldn't be around sin, but he does not tolerate sin very well. But then he always has the compassion too, because we were talking about this on break that even though the Lord setting the cherubims with the flaming sword and cutting the art, I mean cutting the garden off to Adam and Eve after they sinned, it was actually compassion and mercy. It was a judgment, but it was a judgment given in mercy and grace, saying I don't want them to get past this because if they eat from the tree of life then they will be eternally condemned by their sin. And there is no hope because then there will be eternality to their sinfulness. And so, for example, like Lucifer had never has a hope of redemption. The angels who are fallen never had a hope of redemption. But we as saints do. And so um, I think that even cutting the garden off to Adam and Eve was an act of compassion. But I do understand, too, that if Jesus walked in his full glory— as God on the earth, not as man, then I don't think, I don't even know if we could have looked on him mm-hmm. because, and I don't think we would, I don't know if we would have understood how to even conceptualize it in our head because when Peter and John and all them saw on the Mount Transfiguration, they were like, you know, they were awestruck. They were, and Peter tries to build temples to everybody kind of deal. And then that's when Jesus shows us true glory. And then they really don't know how to, deal at that point mm-hmm. like because they don't even, but they were his followers and um if you go back to moses when he radiated over the glory of god people of israel were like uh, we're not going up there that's mm-hmm. pretty terrifying you go up there hear from god and you bring it back to us and didn't they wear veils over their eyes yeah. once yeah like couldn't, they couldn't look on moses mm-hmm. like because he was shining with the glory of god yeah. and um and i think even in those two Examples, I still think it's not the full 
revelation of the glory that we will one day oh, see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot to go into it. But I, I do think that Jesus's being around sin may have been affected if he walked the earth as God. Um, but there was there was a, I mean, there was still this strong divinity about him, 100%. I don't want to rip it away from him completely. I just think that for him to have done everything on the earth that he did as man, it gave them the ability to empathize and sympathize with us in a way that he wouldn't have mm-hmm. if he did it as God. Yeah. And, um, plus, and a way for people to be able to see him as first. I mean, it's almost like he was like, I don't know. Like people didn't really know. Like they they got to know him, and then the more they got to know him, the more that started to be revealed. Even mm-hmm. then, I mean, yeah. they knew he was different. Obviously, you sure. had to know he was different, but they were able to actually get to know him. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a process, which is is like a human thing. Like it is like a relationship, yeah. a natural relationship. Yeah, and plus, I mean, like it speaks of Jesus growing in wisdom. It mm-hmm. speaks of mat- Jesus maturing. I mean, he always had a supernatural. Um, knowledge and wisdom about him because he was 12 years old in the temple answering the religious leaders' questions. But it also talked about he grew in stature, grew in wisdom, grew mm-hmm. in all this. And so um, Jesus himself was a man who had to learn, who had yeah. to grow. Like, mm-hmm. he, wasn't a, he wasn't a baby that come out speaking fluent Greek. He had to learn how to speak. <laughs> um, like, he had to learn how to read. He, what, the things that we did, he had to do. The growing up, the the learning what to say, how to say it, when to say it, how to be um, socially acceptable, all these things like what's, you know, like that's one of the hardest things sometimes to teach kids is what's socially acceptable to say in public and what's not. Like, you know, it's like how to act. And, you know, you may not you may not say um, please and thank you every time your mom opens a refrigerator door for you. You should. But, you know, you may not. But when you're in public with me. And my kids, they know, like, if a waitress brings you a drink, you better say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you order your food, it's please. Like, Jesus had probably had to learn all these. Like, so he's learning. He's a man. And I think the fact that he had learned those, the, think, the fact that he was betrayed, the fact that he did get upset, the fact he did get angry. Like, I know God does all these things. But when you do it from the perspective of man and realizing what we encounter, what we walk through, that's how the scripture can say he can empathize with our Mm-hmm. Our needs, our temptations, our struggles. Like, he knows what it's like to experience all that. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he knows what it's like to experience, like, the weight of um, grief, the weight of disappointment, the weight of, like, in the garden when he said, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But he still he still felt that weight of, I don't want to use the word flat out anxiety, but it was. It was like an anxiousness to it. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I don't. Was, he was dreading. Like, yeah. It was like a dreadfulness. A weariness. Yeah. And I don't think. Weak. I don't think that yes. God in his full glory has those, that kind of anticipation. Mm-hmm. So I think he had to be man mm-hmm. to feel yeah. that, the weight of it, like we do. And relate to us in that mm-hmm. way because yeah. I, I believe, you know, obviously God has always had a compassion but he's in a whole different realm than us, you know? But like Jesus coming to our realm, coming down to the low place Mm -hmm. um, in the midst of all the garbage and just humbling himself that way and experiencing literally becoming sin and Mm -hmm. crucifying it. I mean, 
we we can not ever say, well, nobody understands me he because does. Jesus does. He like, does. We literally, nobody on this earth can say that there's nobody who relates or understands because mm. Jesus does. Yes. He shows us that he does. And I just think, I don't know, every time we talk about this, I just, it just blows my mind and it's just so beautiful and it, it doesn't make sense apart from the word love yeah. and grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just <laughs> yep. and mercy, like it, it's just amazing. Yep, mm-hmm. Jamie, anything you want to say? Uh, I was thinking about just uh, another reason why um, that Jesus wouldn't have walked in the full glory of God on earth is like for people to truly see Him and truly want more of Him in His teaching. Because I don't think if the people could just see the full glory, feel, see the, the light radiating. They'll be like, okay, yes, that's that's the Messiah. But the Lord wanted them to dig deeper mm-hmm. and to follow the, follow him and to um, learn more from his teachings and really just, um, how do I word it? Let it get to their heart. Yes, yes. Well, I think what he was doing was he was teaching truth that would reform their system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the Lord has actually always worked in systems. Like mm-hmm. he's always had systems. Systems are not a bad thing. Um, and the system that they had built had been corrupted and it had been mm-hmm. corrupted with traditions of man, not the, the law or and pride and self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. And yes. I'm holier than thou when really they're ignoring the sin that's in their heart. And, all and that. he had to have repentance come about because yeah. again, repentance is not just turning away from your sin. Repentance is the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if he would have just come down and poof, show everybody who he really is, he didn't do it that way. He taught and he Mm -hmm. taught and he taught and he taught and he taught because he was trying to get people to understand truth. And even like John the Baptist, he was baptizing people into a new system. He was saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven at hand. He said, you're going to have to be one to change your mind Mm -hmm. because if you stick to the mindset you have now, you'll miss him. Well, what happened? They missed him because they stuck to their mindset. They didn't let yeah. it go. And he also purposefully chose those that were not looked at as high, like in high status and like the greatest pre- high priests and mm-hmm. religious leaders that really were just hypocrites. Like he purposefully chose who he chose to be his disciples. He chose, he exalted people um, who were, you know, not looked at as exalted. And he to- totally flipped their mindsets and their system Mm -hmm. and he came and he humbled himself and they just couldn't accept that that he wasn't coming all big and mighty and radiating like he did that for he did did everything for a purpose and Mm -hmm. for a teaching even in just the way he lived he came and visited them yeah i do love that about jesus he was always purposeful and intentional and um he never he never wasted words Mm -hmm. like you know um I think that's always a lesson we could all learn and um, how we can be intentional and purposeful with what we say Mm -hmm. and how we don't, I think we talked about this last week's, I can't remember which day we said this, we talked about, I mean, the Lord knows how many words are going to come out of our mouth in our life already. Like he knows, he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Like, so he knows exactly how many words Jamie's going to use in her lifetime. And she's going to be held accountable for what she done with those number of words. And, you know, I talk about food a lot and I joke <laughs> around. Um, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will grip my heart. Sometimes he, you know, 
I'm I'm not going to be like we never joke and we never have fun and we never laugh because I think that's part of the the joys of life. I mean, I think the Lord put us here for a life that is enjoyable. Like he wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be joyful in it. There's seriousness about it. And there's weightiness too, of eternal, you know, um, you know, like sharing the gospel with people, living lives of integrity and character. There's a seriousness, a weightiness to it, but he don't want us to walk around like a stick in the mud. Like he wants us he wants his bride to be joyful. So I don't yeah. I never want to say we shouldn't joke and we shouldn't laugh. Like I think we should. But I know that I'll have to answer with the way the the amount of words he gave me to say in my life, I'll have to answer for how I use them. Yeah. And um and that's one of the big deals about using profane speech or um cursing and not blessing. Like mm-hmm. or I, I just I'm I am getting to this point to where I, I don't I, I don't want to keep wasting words. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't want to keep wasting them. And um and I know everybody shares with me how bad I speak, so it's okay. <laughs> um but I am at this point where I just I want to be intentional with what I say and Jesus did that. And I think that's a good model. Hey, but even when you mess up, now I'm not saying no, we definitely don't need to be using profane speech or anything like mm-hmm. that. But when we are doing the will of the Father, like when you're preaching or you're teaching or anything like that, and you're in His will, like I'm thankful that He doesn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. Like He uses everything that we say, especially like He. I mean, He uses even the bad things to turn it around for His glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But He okay. uses He uses whatever we're saying as when we're doing it in the right spirit and when we're preaching or teaching, doing what mm-hmm. He's called us to do. He uses it to touch hearts he uses yeah. it to accomplish what and that takes off the pressure off of us off of like oh my gosh i have to say this 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 some way like if we're doing what he called us to do the holy spirit's going to empower us mm-hmm. and he's going to use every single thing yeah. and even he can use it for a testimony for us to share with other people of how to do better like mm-hmm. like how to preach this better how to teach this better so he's always using it and i'm just so thankful that he uses everything. He yeah. doesn't waste anything, even if we sometimes mess up along the way. I think we just need to have that mindset is what I'm saying encouraging is yes. what I'm is saying edifying. Like, like what is my what do I strive to do with my life and do with what God has called me to do? You yeah. know, Amen. yeah, I agree. Um, that's why I think the scripture uses the terminology dwell on what's holy, pure, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and acceptable. Uh, acceptable. And basically that should be the way we speak to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and people sometimes say, well, nobody, nobody does this. Like, but you know what I do see? The saints that have lived in this way for a long time and they're getting older and older. If you watch how they present their speech, there's a humbleness, but mm-hmm. also there's an edification to what they say. Yeah. And I think they're starting to realize the mortality of not just their body, but also their words. Mm-hmm. And they've seen how much over the course of their life, words have made a difference. And, you know, it's like the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's an absolute lie. Like, actually, words will hurt you way more than sticks and stones. Yeah. Because they don't leave. The bruises will leave. But, or... Words stick around. They linger mm-hmm. in your mind. Yes. And I just notice over and over, like, especially with like, if I listen to a preacher preach when he's 30 and then that same preacher preach when he's 70, it's different. Yeah. It's very different. And I look at that and I say, I want to learn. I want to learn that, that, um, grace on their words. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I'm Wayne Grudem's one of my favorite theologians. He's living. 
Um, he, you know, he's pretty much wrote all the, the, the big systematic book, theology book that all college students use at this point almost. He's wrote that, wrote a lot of other great books uh, and just been real influential in my life. And I've never met him, but um, he's been very influential in my life just in his teachings and his doctrine. Um, but I heard an interview he did just did recently with Crossway and I was listening to it and um, even... 20 years ago when I'd hear him teach compared to now or 15 years ago, I'm sorry, to now, it's different, like how he speaks. And yesterday he was asked a question, you know, how do you, how do you want people to remember you? And he just started to weep, started to weep in the interview and said, I just want people to remember me by somebody who loves the word of God. Mm. And, um, and of course, you know, they talked about his wife stuff too, but it was just, you know, there was such a humbleness to a speech. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I want, I want that. Like, I want that graced. I want that speech seasoned with salt. I want that mm. speech seasoned with grace. I want, um, when, when we talk, we should, I think people should feel the love. Yeah. And the embrace in our voice. And even like David Wilkerson, who preached really hard things. When you heard it, you didn't feel like he was mad at you. You actually felt like he was broken for you. And I do believe the the unbeliever, the world, would hear us more if they would, and they would, and I'm not saying we change the truth because the truth never changes. The word never changes. But I think they would hear us more if we said it with the right spirit. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's one of the things I always tell young ministers and young preachers who's who's asking me about speaking and articulating and and orating and all these kind of things while in the pulpit and i one of the first things i tell every one of them is how you say it is just as important as what you say mm. and you can say the most profound truth you can preach the best sermon everybody anybody's ever preached but if you do it with anger or content in your heart then they won't hear it. And you let your delivery trump the truth, and you've literally cut the ear off of the guy in the garden. Mm. And so I think we have to be cautious of delivering a message with the wrong spirit. And um, and I think that's why a lot of people, like a lot of pastors will use their pulpit to preach their soapboxes or their, or their, their hold-ups or hang-ups or whatever like that you want to say. And even if it's true, nobody's hearing it because it's in the wrong spirit. Mm. And yeah, and you just have to be humble. I think the first step is being humble. Yeah, because the words that we're, we're preaching, it's not like we just came up with it. Like <laughs> the Holy <laughs> Spirit is the one empowering us, and mm. we're preaching the Word of God, which we didn't write. <laughs> you know, so I think people just have to realize that, like, when they're preaching, like it's God who put you there, and it, it you're, it's for a purpose of glorifying Him, and with in humbleness because by the grace of God we're able to preach it's only it's by his grace Mm -hmm. that we're even able to yeah like I guess Wilkerson was good and I've heard other preachers say it if I have to say a hard thing I want to say the hard thing in tears Mm -hmm. like I don't you know it's Jeremiah was the weeping prophet and he was weeping over the condition of Israel but when he said hard things it was in tears and so I just I think Jesus was terrific at this. Now, Jesus didn't pull punches with religious leaders. Like, he didn't play with that devil. <laughs> and I'm not talking about we play with devils. 
but you always have to remember our battle is not against flesh, our battle against spiritual things. So when you're yeah. dealing with a spirit, you don't you don't have grace on that spirit. Like I think this is where discernment and responsibility and maturity comes in and we actually know what the heck we're doing half the time um, because now we're being equipped to do it instead of just going out there and trying to play. We're like we're like kids who don't even deserve a squirt gun handling a AK-47. Like, because <laughs> um, we don't ever treasure or cherish or even reverence um, equipping maturity. Mm. Uh, I don't want to say, I don't like the word paying your dues. That's not what I mean. I'm saying like where we're actually learning and being equipped to walk in this walk. Yeah. And I, I think the reason that we, a lot of people, a lot of saints especially feel like they're beat up is because they are. Mm. And because no one's ever taught them to walk in the spirit. No one's ever taught them how to pray. No one's ever taught them how to to war in the spiritual realm. Nobody's taught them how to overcome temptation. Everybody just expects it to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that never happens like yeah. that. And um, and because of it, if it, if that's how it happened, we have no need of the word. We have no need of the Bible. We have no need of Paul writing epistles. We have no need of Peter writing Peter. We have no need of Jesus coming out and, and, you know, preaching Sermon on the Mount. Like, we don't need any of that Mm -hmm. if it just happens naturally. It doesn't. Like, we have to learn. We have to learn to walk in the Spirit. And I was just um, reading the first few chapters of Isaiah, and it was talking about (laughs) how (laughs) how the Israelites, you know, they were falling in idolatry and... um, you know, giving themselves to everyone and everything but Jesus, well, Lord. Um, and it was talking about how they had left themselves defenseless, that they were all bruised up. And it's because they weren't wearing their armor. Yeah. And I think something right now that the church needs to focus on and what I've seen right here in Bethel is like the Lord has equipped us with these tools. He's equipped us with um the Holy Spirit and this armor, we need to start using it. Oh, sure. We need to start using the sword of the Spirit and going against what the enemy is bringing up against this world. And um, we need to be covering ourselves in the helmet of our salvation and guarding our mind and our hearts with the truth and living in the truth and walking in the Spirit to um, to overcome and mm-hmm. live in victory. That's, that's right. already That's already been provided for us through Jesus Christ. Yes, it has. Good word. All right, well, we have our answer for the trivia. Dwayne Kidd uh, got the answer right, and he healed her on the Sabbath, Luke 13, 11 through 12. Why did the people complain when Jesus healed the woman who had been stooped over for 18 years? Because he healed her on the Sabbath. How dare Jesus heal her? They don't have their helmet on. Um, <laughs> the Lord, the enemy is... I love the armor of God. We talk on that quite a bit. I like that a lot. I do. Um, you got me thinking about the armor now, Jamie. <laughs> Just sitting here, supposed to be reading my trivia question. I'm sitting here thinking about the helmet and the breastplate uh, of righteousness, the the shield Sword of faith, of mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting here thinking of the floppy thing on top of the helmet that I still don't know what it's <laughs> called or why it's there. But uh, I'm just glad I didn't have to wear that. I'm glad I have the the armor of God, but not the armor of a Roman soldier because that little mohawk floppy thing at the top, I just. <laughs> It's not my style. Um, Wednesday question number two, sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance in Litchfield, Kentucky. What did Jesus say to calm the storm on the lake? What did you, what did DG, what did Jesus say to calm the storm <laughs> on the lake? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. <laughs> I got started speaking in tongues or something right there almost. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh-huh. I did not know her name was that. Did you know the story behind her name? Uh-uh. She wants to tell you. Morning. Good morning. Hola. Buono Asafiwe. <laughs> Praise the Lord in Swahili. Akuna matata. Akuna matata. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, we're going to, after chapel, you think we can work on getting the flags back up? Okay. But Gretchen said something about changing where they were at. So you may ask her which, where she wants the flags. Uh, yeah. She said that the way they were set up, she's going to change a little bit. Okay. So um, if that could be the first thing we do today. Uh -huh. And then um, we're going to, me and you together, We we got I got new mailboxes for out here for the apartments. Uh -huh. And we need to, we'll have to build that. Because we're going to redo the way it looks. But I have the wood and stuff. And so I think maybe this afternoon, me and, if me and you tackle it, I don't think it'll be long. So if you want to work on the flags this morning, get that done. And then after lunch, we'll work on the mailboxes. Okay. I have a question about a, a piece of wood in the, in the store. Uh-huh. It's painting white. Can I use this wood? Or it's for other? Yeah, I'll be fine. You're fine? Yeah. For finish there in the... In the House. Yeah, that's fine. And uh, you have a paint, paint for this, for the wall. Um, we'll have to probably pick up the paint. Any paint? <laughs> yeah. For this, for the living room or for the wall. Should do we want? You want white uh, or? White is better. Okay. White or yeah. country white or? We'll have to pick up some paint for it. But you don't have there in the store paint. I don't think any of that paint we want. No. All this paint. You can see if we have any paint. And yes. if it's in that closet. If we got paint, it'd be in that it's closet. Locked. It's locked. The paint closet? It shouldn't be. It's open. It should be open. Okay. I don't think that ever gets locked. Because I can find some paint. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, problem. if you can find paint, that's because fine. Usually we use country white, white, or the color in the cafeteria. This color. Uh, it's don't. All right, there's a gallon of that that color for the cafeteria don't use that because i still got some there's some painting to be done in the cafeteria so if you see that color don't use that color i'll need all that i can get because yeah because there's like three different shades of gray yes i know and sooner or later i'm gonna when i, pa I paint this cafeteria years ago it went for finish i need only a, a small area and when they can with your new paint it's different. it was different color yeah i never they can found Never. They well, we got it. So, well, we I got a gallon of the color, but we'll eventually we'll probably just touch it up the whole building um, because there's like three different, like especially right there in that wall. It's like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so if if Let's get those flags back up. Okay. Flag, and then... I can, I can work in the house, too. Yeah. And then you can work in the house until... But I, I want to get those mailboxes done this afternoon. Because... After lunch. Well, yeah. We'll go after lunch. Um, 
Do you have a refrigerator for this house? There is two refrigerators in the maintenance building. Can I take one for this house? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, be fine. And they said you all order the stuff for the oven? Uh, maybe Deanna. I think Deanna. They said something last night about Deanna ordered the burner okay, okay. plate thing. So. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. See you, brother. Well, we are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Thank you so much for tuning in with us on this beautiful day. We talked about Jesus today. How good is that? <laughs> uh, we got an answer for our second trivia question. Miss Lisa Ashball got that answer correct. What did Jesus say to calm the storm in the lake? Peace be still. Mark 4, 39. Aren't you glad that whatever storms are in your life, he still says, peace be still. Mm -hmm. I love it. He still calms the storms. He's still, he is still splitting the seas. He's still making a way where there seems to be no way. I'm going to sing a Jason. I'm going to sing a craft <laughs> family song. He makes a way. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, I'll stop singing before we lose our listeners. Um, <laughs> I sang at church Sunday as we were hugging necks and shaking hands and Ethan from the top balcony said stop and I said Ethan that's really mean it hurt, it hurt my feelings uh, it hurt my feelings tremendously I was about to go to my safe spot and get color books and puppies and deal with my emotional distraughtness and it was it was a very hard day after that um, I told him I told him what we just talked about that words hurt worse than sticks and stones and, well, do you uh, know why he loves sitting up there on the balcony? So that he can sing as loud as he wants to and nobody can hear him. <laughs> but, you know, Heather Heather wanted to just put a cell phone up there and do Facebook Live from up there. And I better tell her not to do that because then... <laughs> but maybe we should. Maybe we should and not tell Ethan. And then we can actually hear him. And then he would, like, be captured on Facebook Live. Hey, he only calls us to do a joyful noise, so... Mine's not even joyful. Um, it's... It sounds like a wounded duck caught in a tornado, um, and it's just, it's kind of like, wow, <laughs> um, and so as the duck spins around the tornado, and you only hear every five second, a uh, second or so, <coughs> that's pretty much what my singing sounds like. Um, I feel like every day, I just pay attention to this, <laughs> I, I feel like every day you're singing a, new, a different song. <laughs> I am. Like when I love you walk singing. throughout the the radio station, and he's always just singing a new song every day. I know. <laughs> Other day I was singing the old one. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. It's oh, a good one. I love that song. Um, <laughs> and then I go old school a lot. Like I'm I'm a '90s worship guy a lot. Um, so I enjoy those two. And um, sometimes I feel like I'm singing like Natalie Grant, and I sound like I'm, and I actually realize <laughs> I'm singing like a. Um, wounded Natalie Grant that just had her leg cut off in a tornado or something in that regard. And um, it's not good. It's not pretty. But if you're here at the radio station with me throughout the day, you are going to hear me sing. And if you're shopping by me at Walmart, you're probably going to hear me sing. Uh, the two favorite pastimes of Walmart is singing or hollering my wife's name really loud, even if she's sitting next to me. <laughs> uh, I do that all the time. It embarrasses the fire out of her. 
But even if I know where she's at, I will say, Heather! <laughs> Heather! <laughs> and um, <laughs> she just looks at me. And that asks, explains a lot. That explains a lot. Uh, true story. I do it. Um, so if you ever hear Heather being shouted out at Walmart, it is me. And um, I'm oh. un- I'm unashamed. Renee says she was singing "Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus" yesterday too, all day. That a girl. That <laughs> a girl. I knew I liked you. <laughs> I knew I liked you. Oh, um, some of those old hymns, they're good stuff. They're still old on them. Yeah. Uh, How I'm, great the art has been speaking. Uh huh. Yeah. That's uh, one that, or not that one specifically, but a, a lot of um, the worship at Asbury was actually like not a lot of new like new music mm-hmm. There's a um, lot they of went back to a lot of older um hymns and just really awesome just purely worshiping like the father like worshiping mm-hmm. to ministering to heaven instead of just yeah. singing about yeah it was really that's one thing i noticed about asbury that kind of set it apart mm-hmm. during that time of an awakening Yes, and, and a lot of times they killed the music too, mm-hmm. and it was just uh, our voices singing. Uh, I like when we do that at church. <laughs> Sometimes Aaron will be like, "Kill the music." Yeah, then I'll start <laughs> singing. I put my hand over. My... See, the the bad thing about my my mic that I use is one of the clips, so it's like double clip over the ear. Yeah, um, not very comfortable, but it stays put. But you don't get it around your face. Like you can't get it away from. If you're if you're holding a hand mic, you can pull it down. On that one, you either gotta turn it off or put your hand over it and so um and heather's heather said several times she can hear me singing and i'm not allowed to do that it's i have one rule i'm not allowed to sing in the mic that's my (laughs) one rule i did hear it a little bit on the playback uh when i was editing one of the sermons i think you were starting to do a little spontaneous something i couldn't really catch it like all the words i had the anointing i had the mantle (laughs) of jason crab coming on me I felt it. I was gonna get a little soul in me, and and I was like, "Ooh, I oh my gosh!" If I could do that, I'd have so oh much fun God. preaching. Preaching would just go to another level for me. Um, all right, well, let's finish this. Let's let's finish John chapter eight. Like we don't have nothing else to do this morning. We're here for an hour more. Well, forty-seven minutes more. Forty. Yeah, my math's right. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, so we have here. They're calling Jesus the devil, and he says. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honor me, of whom you say that he is your God. So I love this about Jesus. This is the Son of God who's saying this. I'm not coming trying to earn my own honor. Mm -hmm. Because if I earn my own honor, it's of me. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to let the Lord honor me. Yeah. And I believe that's what Peter would be saying. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, and in due season he will raise me up. He will exalt me where I need to be. What's he basically saying? I'm not trying to bring honor on myself. I'm letting the Lord see how to use me so he will bring honor, not myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus gives us the example. Yeah, he yes. does. And okay. I think it's a good example. And I think it's an example we could all learn from because um, while we teach a culture of honor tremendously because I believe honor is a principle that unlocks doors. And um, I think sometimes... Um, honor is one of the most forgotten things and i know when i was doing the youth ranch as a actual house parent the first thing i worked on with any kid that come into the house was honor and so it's like yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir um just honoring Mm -hmm. and a lot of times 
when we have fatherlessness in the nation, you have honorlessness in the nation too, mm-hmm. because the father is supposed to be the one to instruct honor. Yeah. And that's what we see throughout scripture the whole time. And when you have fatherlessness, you have honorlessness. And mm-hmm. and we don't know how to conceptualize that without them. And it's just the way the Lord set things up. Yeah. And um, but we see it in a nation when when the men are weak, honors weak. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've seen displayed in a generation that has no fathers. And it's heartbreaking and it's gut wrenching. And um and I think honor is a thing that the Lord's trying to recapture, even in his own house. Yeah. Like I don't think it's legalistic to say, Hey, let's not I'm all for don't donuts. All right. I love donuts. Mm-hmm. Um we got the good donuts last Sunday morning. We didn't get the the big box store donut. We got the real donut. All right. But, and I'll eat donuts till the cows come home. But I think for me, when you go into the house of the Lord, I personally don't bring the donut with me. Hmm. I just feel like for me personally, that it, and I don't try to put my conviction on other, but for me, people say, well, you are the church, not a building. But the Lord's always had sanctuaries, and there's always been holy grounds, consecrated grounds that's been. The temple was a consecrated piece of ground. The temp- the tabernacle was a po- consecrated piece of ground. Sanctification, it was, it was a place set apart. So the sanctuary that you worship in, it should be a set-apart place. Mm. We are the church. We have become the sanctuary of the Spirit of the Lord, of course, like 100% behind that. But where I meet Him, where we fellowship, where we assemble together— there should be a reverence mm-hmm. for the presence of God in that place. Yeah. And so for me, like, I don't want to eat a donut in the sanctuary. I'll eat the donut in the lobby. But whenever I go into the sanctuary, for me, this is my personal thing, there's something different that happens. Like when I walk through that threshold, like we are standing on holy ground. I feel like that's it. Like, and I mean, sometimes like, I talked about a drink the other day, and one of my kids had one in the sanctuary. I said, what, what in the world's doing that in there? Like, you know, it's not even supposed to be in here. Um, but it's it's not for legalism's sake for me. It's for I want that place to be as separate as I can possibly make it because I want that place to be a place of his presence. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what we got to cultivate in our own life too, but we only do that by honoring. Yeah. And we've lost the art, and we lost the principle of honor. And... Um, we we were talking about altar calls the other day, and even at you know even at Bethel when when we do the altar call we don't do like come down to the altar we do prayer teams and you know you need prayer for something like that but um, you know a, a lot of times before I can even get the prayer teams out of my mouth you know we have a lot of people that's already up and leaving and even though I understand and I'm not trying to do it from a place of again, legalism or structure like that for the sake of it, I think there's an honoring his presence. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think there's a time that you just sit still. And even if you're not getting prayed for, there's a time where honoring the presence of the Lord. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to be there for three hours, but I'm saying like just in services, like let's let's chill out for a minute and let's honor the presence of the Lord. If, if we're worshiping, I don't think it's appropriate to be playing Candy Crush or on Snapchat. And mm-hmm. I don't, and that's not just for teenagers. That's for adults, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when we're in a worship service, there's an honor that should be in the house. Yeah. I And this is just my opinion, again, like how you were sharing that. I believe that at the end of a service, you know, when prayer teams are going up and praying with people, when the pr- like we've just listened to a message where the Lord has been speaking, the presence is thick, 
Mm-hmm. I believe I think that it's disrespectful just for my like I choose not to do this. Like I linger around and see I say, Lord, like, is there anything if you want me to pray with somebody? I mean, well now I go up on the prayer team. But when I wasn't going up on the prayer team, like I would I I was reverent to him. Mm. Like I didn't want to just dart out. And especially I feel like if you do have to leave, then kind of be discreet about it. Like if I ever have had to leave, there's like a level of discreetness you can have rather than just starting to talk and be disruptive. And um, like we can do that in the lobby, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just feel like I'm not trying to put condemnation on anyone, but I just think um, I just think it there's a level of honor, honoring his presence and also um, cherishing his presence because if his presence is there if he's wanting to move um, if he's I mean if he's there then we should be communing with him yeah. and I understand people have places to go sometimes and if you don't feel that spirit the spirit drawing you then I just think it is respectful to it it, it is um, respectful to pay attention to to the atmosphere mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah pay attention to what god's doing and if the spirit's moving if you know if there's a call to go pray then maybe be more discreet about sure. leaving mm-hmm. yeah there's a book called um fear of the lord by john bevere and it's a really good book and um it talks about this honoring the lord's presence and i really do think it's something that we've lost but I think it's reflective even on our natural. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you all have caught on to this. Like, I remember when I was growing up as a kid, we did not disru- we didn't like interrupt conversations. We we knew we honored them, mm-hmm. and so I would wait until my mom was done talking to somebody or my grandpa, my grandfather, grandma, whoever it was. If they were in the conversation, I didn't just run up and interrupt. But mm-hmm. nowadays, it's like a different atmosphere. Like my kids interrupt me all the time. And so it's like, even on Sunday mornings, one of the things I love about Sunday mornings, after, as you all are praying for people and stuff, I'm back there loving on people and from a pastoral standpoint. I mm-hmm. love, actually, it's one of my, it's grown to be one of my favorite things I do on Sunday morning, getting to hug necks. And I'm, I was never a hugger, and I'm starting to be a hugger. I'm, I'm getting better. And I feel like there's a lot of times that, you know, people will say, hey, pray for this, struggling with this, or I'll get to say, how's this going on? And sometimes that's the only time of the week I get to connect with mm-hmm. people on some levels. And so I I love it, but I've also noticed where not just my kids, other kids or other young people in the sanctuary will just come up and just interrupt right in the middle of the conversation. Like, Aaron, I knew this, Aaron, just, just a second. I'm talking to them. And that may not be a big deal for some people because we're kind of growing accustomed to it. I think it's a reflection of just how much we don't honor at all. Mm -hmm. And, and so like, I don't like if you and Jamie's in the office and I step in and you all are talking, I don't want to just interrupt y'all's conversation. I'll be like, okay, let me, I'll wait till y'all are done. And, and I'll, I don't want to do that. Like, and I think that you say, well, Aaron, what's that going to do with the presence? Lord, we always have to remember what's happening. The natural is because it was first done in the spiritual because mm-hmm. the natural falls the spiritual. Yeah. So if we don't have honor in the natural, it's because we really don't have honor in the spiritual. Yeah. Mm. And it's a reflection because what's happening in the spiritual manifests in the natural. And I think if we're ever going to get back to the natural honor that's supposed to be there, we first have to develop the honor in the spiritual for it to manifest in the natural. Mm, and yeah. I think it's a manifestation of it. And um, and honor doesn't stop. And I don't know where this was really generated at, but honoring is not just for people that you think's deserving it. Mm-mm. Because Saul didn't deserve it, but yet David honored Mm. And David was blessed because of it. Um, so even though like 
I may not agree with certain political leaders. I may staunchly disagree with them. I do think there's an honor that they have because they're in office. Um, and so that's why even people that you that I disagree ferociously with on certain issues, I still use their term of respect and the term of, of honor over their, their name because we we have to manifest honor to be honor. It's it's um you it's it's the concept of what we sow we reap. If we're not sowing honor, how do we expect to reap honor? Mm-hmm. If we're sowing discord and disrespect, what do we expect? Discord and disrespect. So if we want something to come about in our life, we first have to do it. Yeah. And I think that's a spiritual principle that we just we we make our walking in the spirit way too uh, I want to make sure I use the proper word here, impractical at times. When really, when Paul talked about application of walking in the Spirit, even Romans, I mean, it was very practical things. Mm-hmm. Like Romans 15, 16, 14, they're very practical things, but they're deep. And he's saying all these other things, like all these deep theological truths that he unpacked in Romans, he's saying he's basically unpacking them and showing how they're going to impact our everyday life at that point. And if we want honor, but we're not sowing honor, mm. I mean, it may not be other people's fault. Maybe it's our own and maybe we're reaping what we're sowing. Mm. Yeah. And so just my two cents this morning on mornings of boxer radio. Y'all can <laughs> disagree. No, it's good though. It's yes. good. And I think that it's just something that with a generation that hasn't pressed into the spirit, as much and with the fatherlessness Mm -hmm. and a lot of broken homes that haven't really um, maybe had the demonstration of walking in the spirit um, I feel like that's where that lack of honor has came to and I mean I hate to say it but a lot of homes that are broken and the fathers are absent the kids are not respecting and honoring the mother as much as they honor the father Mm -hmm. There's there's a level of like reverence and respect that comes with a father I mean, the Lord just kind of created fathers to be more, I don't know, more stern. And not that you all, you can't be loving and caring as a father, mm-hmm. but there's a level of respect that comes with a father. And I see it so much. I've seen it in my own life with my siblings um, growing up. I've seen it in so many different families of like when a father is absent, the respect for the mother is just not the mm-hmm. same. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some, there's some that I've seen that have really respected their mother. And I'm, I'm very impressed of how, you know, the, the kids do respect their mother, but there's something about having a father in the home that teaches that honor and respect. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that, that bleeds over into, or it overflows into the church. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Come on. Jamie, Jefferson. I think one, it starts with honoring God in our time. And I think that's also a huge problem. If we're not honoring him and seeking him um, in the secret place every day and we're not pursuing just spending time in his presence in our everyday lives like how are we able going to be able to honor that oh, yeah. in a Sunday service when we're when sure. we're you know seeking the Lord and seeking him in word worshiping him in truth and in spirit how are we going to honor him there and respect what is happening um, in the church if we're not doing it each and every day in our lives mm-hmm. yeah I do agree with that, um, but I do believe even I've seen people who I know that they're not saved, mm-hmm. but I've seen them honor and respect 
God's presence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've seen people who I know are not living right, but I respect them for the way that they respect God's presence and Mm. honor God's presence in the house. But then I've also seen people. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Sorry. You're fine. Uh, But then I've seen people who are just causing chaos and disruption Mm -hmm. and um, discord and, you know, and just not respecting that presence. And I don't, I don't know. Um, Sometimes I just want to say something to people. Um, I don't really get the opportunity to do that very much, though. So I don't I don't really think that I have been led to do that because I haven't really gotten many opportunities. But I do think that there's a level of um, just sacredness of Mm -hmm. spending time with the Lord and the assembly. Um, And I don't know. How how do you feel about that, Aaron, about, you know, kind of. Not overstepping boundaries with like kids that aren't yours or teenagers or, but also like maybe saying something. Well, I think when it's, you need to. Sometimes. I think it's falls back on doing it with the right spirit. Yeah. And yeah. Right. Uh, and also, it's about relationship. Um, pretty much with the kids here, I have enough relationship that I can go up to them and um, walk up, say, "Are you on Snapchat?" And they're just gonna look at me and go, "Yes." So, are we really gonna do it right here? No. I won't like there's no there's no argument. There's no there's no bitterness, but I have enough relationship to. And then, of course, I'll, I think when you do that, you always I will always just follow up like, come on, let's let's respect the presence of God more than that right now. Um, yeah, I like that. And mm-hmm. so but I think that takes I think that comes from taking time to build a relationship, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And I think I'll, sometimes, you know, sometimes children and young people are some of the most to be corrected. But. I see a lot of leaders doing it just that. Like, that may be the only time they interact with the kids in the correction. You, that can't be either. Mm-hmm. I think if you take time to build a relationship outside of the church with them, they'll hear you a lot more when you yeah. do bring correction to situations. Mm-hmm. And the parent's not as offended either because now they understand you love their kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think they'll, they'll receive as well, too. But at the end of the day, too, I want to say this. Um, because this is all talking about honoring the Lord's presence, especially in his sanctuary. Like we are the church, but we still assemble together. And I think where we assemble should be a holy place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and so in that, I believe that with this whole concept we're talking about, it's the parent's responsibility to teach a kid how to behave in the sanctuary. Yeah. And uh, that's been with, honestly, I know this sounds, this sound, this, that's been one of the hardest things for me and Heather. Because we're always, every church we've ever been at, we've been leading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so either we're both on the stage and our kids were somebody else, or, you know, even now she's on the stage for the worship, I'm on the stage for the preaching, but yet we're both busy during the times that we're not on stage. And so we've had to have, we've kind of had to rely on other people to help us in that pursuit of, and so I understand those situations too. And of course, you know, I threatened my kids before. <laughs> you know, you better not cloud. You better not do anything today. Um, and I mean, there's been times that I had to, you know, step over during worship and, you know, take a kid to the side and say, stop or something like this. That's not appropriate behavior. And and so I think they'll, I, but I, I do think that respect and honor in the sanctuary, especially falls back on the parents. It should. Yeah. And, but also, I'm going to say this, and I'm not just talking about Bethel. I'm talking to us in church, period, is I'm not like this isn't a Bethel message on the radio. This is just churches because I see in every church I go to and visit, even for Man Up or anything like this, 
we can't tell our kids not to do something we are doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and what I mean by that is when I'll just use for our for Bethel for example when I'm preaching on Sunday mornings. Um, now we don't have as much anymore because I addressed it quite a few times. But there was one period of time when I would look back and I would see six, seven, ten adults on their cell phones. And I know they're not on their Bible app because your finger don't move that fast when you're on the Bible app. For one, nobody can read that fast. You're playing Candy Crush or you were doing some kind of games or playing solitaire on your phone. And I just think that's incredibly inappropriate for that time period because it should be an honor and respect for God's house. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll see me on my iPad because I'm literally running the sound for the service. I'm not playing Candy Crush and I'm not playing fun games or anything. I'm I'm running the sound or final prepping my sermon. But uh but it's like some of these people that I see on their cell phones during service were some of the same people then that would come up to me later and want me to address the young people that are cutting up in the back. And I'm like, wait a second. So it's okay for you to play solitaire on your phone, but it's not okay for them to laugh. Mm. Both of them you know, both of them should have a respect for the house of the Lord. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying, like, the reason that we have a natural disrespect for things is because we have a spiritual disrespect for things. Mm. And if we'll learn and to... a lot of times a spiritual disconnect. Mm-hmm. Ooh, come on. <laughs> yep. Come on. And, um, and for some reason, these are things that people have lost the... Um, conviction to even speak about and mm-hmm. i think sometimes they're afraid to because if they start to try to correct things then people's going to leave that's out of love because we want more for for everybody for, yes we want yeah. more for everybody. because honestly i mean it's hindering your neighbor yeah. mm-hmm. it's hindering others yeah. yeah and it's hindering your walk yeah and yourself that's what i pulled our group of teenagers aside and um i said look um i can't make you all worship and that's not my goal like, this is going to have to be a personal relationship with Jesus yourself. I'm not going to make you pray. I'm not even going to make you listen. But what I am going to ask you to do, because I love you and I love the people around you, is stop inhibiting their ability to worship. And and we had this talk with the teenagers, and it got better. I mean, are we all perfect? No. But I think it's getting better. Um, because somebody, Jason, no, Josh says that here at Bethel you have your 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 church outside the balcony and then your church under the balcony. And uh, so you got two different churches. It's not true, but we kind of cal- calculate, calculate that way sometimes like in our brains because, you know, you don't, a lot of times when you're sitting out in from, uh, from under the balcony, you don't have a lot of talking and stuff. But then the people that tend to be younger, especially teenagers and stuff, they, or kids, they, they tend to talk under the balcony. And so it's like that dichotomy. And so we just had to work with this, the fact of, you know, you're talking, you're goofing off is inhibiting other people from being able to worship. So mm-hmm. for an hour and a half, two hours on Sunday morning, I'm asking you just not to do that yeah. out of respect for their and not perfect, but it's better. Yeah, uh, I think it's gotten better during the service. A lot. And um, But I didn't like rebuke them. I didn't I never condemn them for not worshiping or anything like that because I can't force them to. Mm-hmm. That's not my job. I'm, my job is not to force you to pray, not to force you to pastor. It's lead you into the desire and the ability to, and to teach you how to do it. Mm-hmm. But I can't make you do it. Mm-hmm. I can teach on fasting, but I can't make you fast. I can mm-hmm. teach on pa- pre- praying, but I can't make you pray. These are things that you have to decide to do. And um, and I can teach you on honor, but I can't I can't honor for you. Like, mm-hmm. And that's walking in the spirit is 
when we're connecting our life to what he's asking and what his will is, then we will walk in blessing. Amen. But um, mm-hmm. I got to say, um, I've never heard the sanctuary more quiet than last Sunday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, you could have heard a pin yeah. drop in I there. didn't even know how to do it. I mean, it. even the babies were quiet. I was like, what's going on? This has to be the Holy Spirit. Oh, it, it was. <laughs> it was. Um, it was definitely you. Uh, I told Jacob, I said, look, the enemy don't. The enemy a lot of times don't don't mind you talking about worship, doesn't mind you, um, you know, preaching a cute message. But, man, he hates it when you start messing with his funding. Mm. Um, and I don't think there's I mean, I think we are much more enslaved to the system of Babylon than we'd ever understand. Mm. And when you start messing yes. with that demonic influence. And that strong code, he hates it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. I I never had the intent necessarily to call out companies or names. Because I I don't think that's my place. Mm -hmm. I think that's the Holy Spirit's place. The Holy Spirit needs to arrest Jamie, not me. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I'm not saying you're shopping. But I'm saying, like, if if I arrest you, it's just me. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. If If the Holy Spirit does it, that's him. Yeah. And so I just wanted to start. My intent Sunday morning was to bring recognition to the system of Babylon mm-hmm. and the fact that we can't rebuke a we can't rebuke a devil on Sunday and fund him on Tuesday. You mm-hmm. just there's yeah. a dichotomy there that cannot work. And um, man, it just mm-hmm. I don't know if I had as much uh, talk back mm-hmm. on any sermon I've ever preached in my life more than I did Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And, well, it was uh, it was a truth that we all needed to hear, <clears throat> but. My goal is not to downplay any product or company. That's not my. That's not my intention. My intention yeah. was saying the system of Babylon's got us, and we're either going to break it or we're not. Yeah. Like, but we got to stop being half in the kingdom and half in the system of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's basically this. I'm going to serve that. I'm going to serve the system of Christ and the ser- system of the Antichrist at the same time. Mm, and you, yeah, you just, you just can't do it. You're going to love the one and hate the other, or you're going to despise the other one to be devout to the other. That's what mm-hmm. Scripture says. And that spirit of mammon will get a hold of your heart. Mm. And um, I believe this statement is true, is that greed doesn't take money. Greed just takes desire. Mm-hmm. And that greed grips our heart more than we ever really want to admit. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break here. We're a little bit over. Come back here and um, enjoy the conversation. But y'all need to talk more. I feel like I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> babbling on here i'm learning i'm getting uh, used to it and so uh, we're trying to not interrupt you you know as you're teaching us right now <laughs> the kids shouldn't interrupt oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah uh did i yeah i said miss lisa ashball got the answer right i just want to make sure confirm that all right we're going to take a quick break here we'll be the 10th 2023 edition of mornings of box two radio what a day the lord has made um uh, let's see here one listener says, I think how the husband honors the wife will reflect in the children how they honor the mother. Ooh, come on, I yes. agree, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, let's see, another listener said, you guys blessed me this morning speaking about the sanctuary, honoring him. It's the fear, the fear, the awe, which you all say is spiritual. I'm so thankful young people like you all are feeling these things. I'm from the 50s, and it, cha- it is amazing the changes. It also starts at home, don't you think? I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and it says God has honored this morning by God has been honored this morning by you young people um, this morning and you've been blessed you've blessed many no doubt so it's thank you. It no it's not Miss Gail oh, um, but is another listener who is very encouraging oh. and she sends a lot of encouraging things too and well, she, she knows exactly who she is mm-hmm. and I do think it starts at home I yes. think that. I yes. think that um, strong churches are made up of strong families, mm. and I think that we will never understand fully how to um, honor the Lord unless we instruct and yeah. we teach. And mm-hmm. um, and I think we've misinterpreted the word honor. I think I think we consider honor and the fear is just a preventative measure of puni- punitive um, discipline. So mm. basically, just punishment. No. I don't fear and honor the Lord just because I'm scared of his punishment. I fear and honor the Lord for who he is. Yes. We love um, for his, his nature. His, his, yeah. on, his holiness, his character, his integrity. Because fear and honor is not just I'm terrified of him because – but there is an aspect of that. Like mm-hmm. we forgot how holy he is sometimes, and we forget that he don't play games. He's very compassionate and just, but he will not always strive with man either. And even though he strived continually with the people of Israel coming out of the Egypt, he ended up swallowing 3,000 of them because they couldn't take the hint. Mm-hmm. And so as much as grace and mercy and compassion he does have, he also has mercy and judgment. I mean, he has yeah. righteousness and judgment. So, um, I think we forget, a lot of people forget that he is a king. Like, yeah. he is royalty. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that, I mean, if a lot of people that are disrespectful of the Lord's presence— I highly doubt that they would be disrespectful to like an earthly king because mm-hmm. most people, if they were invited into the king's court, like an earthly king, they would be feel, oh my gosh, I get to go to the king's court. Like they would, they would feel like honored. They would mm-hmm. feel honored. They would yeah. feel special. They would want to put on their best, oh yeah, <laughs> their best attire. They would mm-hmm. want to uh, speak with their best speech. They'd try to be bringing down their country accent a little bit. <laughs> not, that, that, not that there's anything wrong with the country accent, but I'm just saying they'd probably be trying to speak more proper. Um, they would they would try to change a lot of things about themselves because they're in a king's court. They're sure. in the king's presence. But the beauty of the Lord, he does that for you. He changes you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he Young is our king. That. He, he is it. a king. And mm-hmm. I think people just, honestly, I think a lot of people just haven't gotten to know him. But also mm-hmm. they just forget that. He is royalty. Yeah. Like, I mean, yep. He's worthy of our honor. Yeah. He's worthy of respect. Like, look yes. at what he's done for for you, what he's done in your life, what he brought you out of the gift of salvation, the joy of salvation, the um, him dying on the cross to save you and um, to set you free. And yeah. Yeah. like, I think a heart of gratitude can also help just like he's worthy of my respect. He's worthy of mm-hmm. my time. He's worthy of my everything. Yeah. Um and it's it's not because of like, oh, like he gave me this blessing. He he gave me this this and that. It's about who he is and um really what he's done. What he yeah. did on the cross, that should yeah. be enough. Well, I think you actually tapped into something there. Um and one listener said, "Yeah, Hannah, good one. Presence of the king, or should I say the king of kings? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you, I think you're tapping into something there though, because I think because the church really doesn't understand the gospel and understand the salvation, we've downplayed it to such a role mm-hmm. and such a thing now that we don't understand the power, the power. of the gospel. Yep. And, um, we don't understand the goodness of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, um, for example, like when we just make it a thing where we raise our hand, sign a card and that's it. There is not a goodness. There is not mm-hmm. a gratitude. Well, I signed the card. I made the choice. And we forget how good God was in salvation. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, it's like um, when we watched Passion of the Christ together on that sa- Saturday night here at Bethel, just a little while ago, or Friday night. It was a Friday night. We watched it together. Afterwards, my heart was just full of gratitude and honor. Yeah. And I think we gathered together. We didn't really ask for anything. We just wanted to honor the Lord and yeah. say thank you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, like, honoring the Lord is just sometimes just, like you were saying, gratitude. But it's like just saying thanks. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. um, thank you. my goodness, Lord, thank you so much for saving. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for your presence. Like, when when you're in a sanctuary or you're in a house or you're in your car or you're at Walmart or you're at the grocery store or you're at a restaurant and you feel his presence, there should be an honor there. Yeah. Because yeah. he's not obligated to do that. Like, this is his goodness that he pours himself out. It's not his mm-hmm. obligation. It's his goodness. And there should be a heart of honor and thankfulness and gratitude that is overflowing out of us saying, thank you that yet again, I feel your presence. Mm-hmm. I know you are here. I know it. And I thank you that you're stick closer than a brother. I think you mm-hmm. never change. I thank you. And it's just honoring his presence. And that's actually how we are told to start our prayer life by Jesus. Our yeah. father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Mm-hmm. He's basically honoring the relationship and he's honoring who he is. Yeah. yeah. And that's how he starts prayer. I just, I, I feel like the Lord is saying that there's a lot of people in church that are in chains and they're bound Mm -hmm. by chains and they can't even see his goodness because all they can see is their, their circumstance because Mm -hmm. they're literally bound up by chains and they're not, they're not taking that step or like looking to the one who can break the chains because Mm -hmm. they, they aren't even looking towards him. They don't even, they're not even hearing his words because they're just bound they're bound and and i think we those of us who know his power and know his goodness this is what we have to do in prayer like this Mm -hmm. is why prayer is so important this is why we have to intercede and pray that the people's hearts will be softened to just hear the words so that they can be set free set the Mm -hmm. captives free from this bondage because it's just I just keep thinking back also to Brother Greg's dream that he had about people just bowed down in these chains and they can't look anywhere. And mm-hmm. they and honestly, I I think I remember him saying they didn't even want to be set free from their chains because mm-hmm. they were so caught up in what put them in the chains. Like they didn't even want yeah. to let go of the thing that, yeah. that got them there. And it, yeah. I do believe the Lord's moving. The Lord oh, is setting is. captives free, and we can't we can't just get so caught up in you know, the negative of what's going on, but also mm-hmm. we can't be blind to it. Yeah. We have to have discernment. And I think the Lord just, he wants us to be, you know, concerned with souls and more souls right mm-hmm. now, like That's souls right. and more souls, like setting the captives free right now, because there, it, it is sad. It's sad that there's a people that don't know the power, that don't know the glory, yeah. that don't know the goodness because they're just bound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. I say amen to that. Um, and I think these are principles, and I actually think that this is a key, like a key of David kind of deal, that honor, respect, tapping in is, well, even John Bevere. I don't know if there was a story that he kind of opens up in that book, Fear of the Lord, and I think y'all y'all probably heard me say this before, because I think I said it behind the pulpit. Jamie may never has, but... Um, He's at a church in Africa. I think it was Africa. Um, maybe it's not. I guess that's not important. He was in a church. Um, and the worship team was killing it. 
the worship team was on point. They were praying. They were seeking the face of the Lord. They were worshiping. And then he looks out in the congregation, and in the congregation, people's on their cell phones. People's just texting, talking, laughing around, goofing around, eating their coffee and donuts, I guess. I don't know. And just chilling out. And John says he just... Um, now, this is a true story. I mean, this really did happen to John. But he said he just went up there, and he, he started talking about the fear of the Lord. Mm. And he honestly, like, rebuked them. And he said, this worship team's up here giving the Lord everything they got, and you're back there on your cell phone. It sounds like mm. I'm really hard on cell phones today. I'm, I'm not trying to be. It's just flowing. So maybe the Spirit <laughs> of God's kind of telling, trying to tell us something. Because we didn't plan none of this. We don't, we don't plan to sit here and rebuke everything. We just, we just go by what the Spirit of the Lord's leading us. But John deals with this, and people start to repent. People start to weep. People's like throwing their cell phones to the side. People's going up the altar. Mm. The worship team's weeping. The congregation's weeping. They're honoring the Lord, their presence, his presence. They're repenting. The fear of the Lord's coming back into the house. And the fire of God falls in that sanctuary. And literally the fire department shows up because people keep calling them saying the church is on fire. Wow. Mm. Because it was spiritually burning at that point. Because the fear and the honor and the reverence of the Lord came back into the house. Amen. And the Lord will come where he's reverenced. The Lord mm. will come where he's appreciated. The Lord will come when he's honored. Um, and I think that it's he, he he's not going to come and interrupt your candy crush. If you want candy mm. crush, candy crush is going to hate me. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to come and interrupt your, your game. If you want your game, he'll give you your game. You know how I know that? Just look at what he did with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, if you want your reward now, you can get it. What I'm trying to do is invite you to a reward that's farther greater than what you have right now. But he don't he don't interrupt their their giving. He tries to teach them a better way, but he's not interrupting them. He said, if this is what you want, you can have it. Yeah. And so if you want to continue to dishonor the presence of the Lord, he'll let you go that way. Mm. But don't him don't expect him to, you know, overflow your saucer cup into your saucer mm. if you're not even willing to say thank you. Yeah. And you're not willing to honor his presence. And yeah, and that just reminds me, like, I keep talking about Isaiah, but that's just book. what I'm in right now. And he's talking about, like, um, the Israelites, they were, you know, falling into idolatry and giving themselves to everything and anything but God. But he said, stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The mm. incense of your offerings disgust me. And then uh, further on, he says, I want no more of your pious meetings. Um, he doesn't want us to to give ourselves to uh, other idols and false gods and just giving ourselves to everything but him and then try to come to him and bring things to him and um, try to, to basically live in that religiosity mm-hmm. and then expect something to happen. Yes. Yeah. It reminded me, I had this verse pulled up in First Samuel um, when Samuel says, um, has the Lord... Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and mm. listen to and to listen than the fat of rams. Mm. And that's the same principle. Is yes. like sacrifice. We can say all day, well, I sacrificed this for the Lord, and I gave up this for the Lord. I gave up this. I don't shop here anymore. I don't shop there anymore. But <laughs> I'm just using that because we talked about it the other day. Mm. But it's not. Like the Lord isn't going to honor it if you're just doing it for show or yes. doing it to, to just say, mm-hmm. well, Lord, I checked all these boxes and holding that as like, all right, I'm good now. It No, it's the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of God mm-hmm. leading you to do it in the obedience of what he's telling you to do. That's what the Lord delights in. He, delo- yeah. he delights in us 
obeying what he's telling us to do because he's our father and we are supposed to obey where children are supposed to obey their father i mean that's just that's just the example that we have and Mm -hmm. that's what the lord delights in yeah so true and i i love i love isaiah Mm one well you you love it but like you don't love i don't know it's hard (laughs) you have a no it's sad because that's that's where our world is i think it's a condition and i mean isaiah goes on to talk about the generation that will call wrong right right wrong sweet Mm -hmm. bitter and bittersweet yeah it's basically a generation that's lost touch with him yeah they don't know him and it's a and isaiah is a group of people who were doing the new moon feast they were Mm -hmm. doing all the sacrifices they were coming together in moderate application, it would be a church that's meeting on Sunday morning. It's a church doing all the things they're supposed to do. They're mm-hmm. having all these meetings. They're doing all these discipleship programs. They're doing all these things. Yet the Lord has grown sick of it because mm-hmm. their heart's not right. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're not listening to what he's telling them to do. Mm-hmm. They're yes. just running and doing what they want to do. Yep. Yeah. And I, uh, if I could share, yeah, go for um, it. Nate Johnston, someone I really just love, he he always brings the word, yes. but he posted this last night, and I think it really relates to what we're talking about. Um, he said, the church bowing down to culture right now is about to become obsolete when people begin to recognize that the power to change, heal, and restore is no longer present. Mm-hmm. When the Holy Spirit has left the room, all you're left with is coffee, cake, and Dr. Phil-style Christianity that takes all the boxes to keep the demons happy but fails to lead people to the cross. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake, this is a Mount Carmel moment where we will clearly see who has the fire on their altar and who is more invested in the treasures of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's so, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. People, people may be confused right now and not being able to see, you know, who's the sheep, who's the goat, who's mm-hmm. the, but it will become clear. Yeah. It will become yeah. clear who has the fire and who doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the Lord's job to deal with that. Not yes. ours. Yeah. Um, but I was actually going to say like, i few weeks ago the lord had me preach on the church of thyatira mm-hmm. which is basically a church that's doing all the right things but playing with jezebel yeah and that is cultural relevancy that yeah. that is that is being in um inoculated by her sexual morality and all these other things that are incorporated with jezebel mm-hmm. but yet still wanting to play the game of doing church perfectly yeah and they say that we're a church of the Laodicea, but I actually think we're probably more of a church of Thyatira. And I think that we're a church who, like in America, who does church very well mm-hmm. when it comes to entertainment structure, what we're doing, the systems, the benevolence, the social justice issues, all that. We got all that going on, but yet we're in bed with Jezebel. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord's done with that nonsense. And mm-hmm. he has some strong words for that church, some very strong words for that church. Yeah, and I think the Lord is just trying to teach us right now that we are not to fear man. Like, we are not to have Mm -hmm. fear of man. We're to have fear of the Lord. Um, And this 1 Samuel chapter still, it just keeps speaking and confirming what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, Whenever Saul is speaking to Samuel and he's saying, he's admitting, he's saying, I have sinned for I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, And we we can't. We can't do that. Well. Saul was concerned what the people thought of him. David was concerned what the Lord thought of yes. him. And that's why David never had his anointing taken from him, even though David did worse things than Saul. Yep. Is because he was concerned with the Lord. David, Saul was concerned with man. Yep. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation today. That was mm-hmm. good. Um, I have a lot of listeners who's interacted and engaged with it. And, um, 
Miss Lisa Ashball said, great discussion today. Mm-hmm. God bless you all. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of good, a lot of listener interaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I appreciate that. And uh, I want to say before we go off the air, um, I was, I always pop on Facebook every once in a while to see if I'm missing a birthday or something like this. Today is Josh and Katie Newton's anniversary. So can, happy anniversary, Josh and Katie. Um, Miss Katie, I don't know how you put up with Josh for all these years, but you are <laughs> one anointed, blessed woman. Amen. Uh, we love Josh and Katie so much. Two, uh, just, I mean, um, I haven't known them for long, but I feel like I've known them forever. And they're both incredible men and women of God. And I am extremely blessed to know them and thankful that God's brought them into our lives. And I just want to say happy anniversary mm-hmm. to them too. And God bless you all. God bless your kiddos and your family. And I know as a family, they're walking through some difficult things right now. And we're praying for you all and continue to pray for you all. But happy anniversary and um, hope you enjoy it today. Well, for the Mornings of Box 2, we're out of here. We're out of time. Thanks, Jamie, for coming on. Thanks, Hannah, for coming on. Thanks, Jacob, for belling on us on this Wednesday morning. <laughs> Don't forget um, to submit your prayer request. Yes, prayer 930. at 930. Amen. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central guys. Time. On the Mornings of Box 2 Radio, on the Box 2 Radio Network.